0: Turn your Bibles to 2nd Chronicles chapter 29. 2nd Chronicles chapter 29. 2nd Chronicles chapter 29. Another chapter of the Bible with which I wished somebody would make a movie. This chapter is insane. I'm telling it is awesome. I mean breathtaking what is happening here in this chapter is amazing we will look at the man hezekiah one of the great kings of israel of judah let's go before the father oh great king we ask that you would speak through your word god do you hear us please we ask you would open this book and that you would speak to our hearts. That everyone in this place would hear your voice. And they would walk away changed. They would walk away encouraged. They would walk away blessed. Please give me words, Father. I don't know what to say. Let me know. I'll do my best. We ask these things in the name of your Son. Amen. Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 29. We look at a man named who? Hezekiah. Yes, one of the greatest kings ever. And this man, yes, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, praise God. Because, you know, what? we've seen so many wicked kings, haven't we, that did which was evil in the sight of the Lord, and we look at the end of their life. Look, this Bible is a history book. Did you know that? It's amazing. This book you can actually take as a map to Israel and just use it. You just say, okay, well, they went there. Where is this at? Where is this at? And it just lines up perfectly. I lived there in Israel for three months. And I've seen it with my own eyes. I traveled the country from top to bottom twice. And it is very fascinating to see how accurate and how perfect this book is in detail. A historical document, that's for sure. And uh, people who say that the Bible is just a bunch of blah, it's like you're ignorant, man. Go to Just go to Israel. It's simple. You just go there and just check it out for yourself. You see these... the way they lived. The Jew will laugh in your face if you told them that this thing was... It's like, huh, you you serious? These are records of our heritage for hundreds and thousands of years. People have been documenting The Dead Sea Scrolls. Things that have been pulled up like the books of Isaiah, which are very old. I saw it with my own eyes. There's a Dead Sea Scroll sitting there. Complete documents of Isaiah. Amazing. Other manuscripts or other documents... That you can align up to see if these things are accurate, if these things are perfect, and they of course match up a perfect copy. But looking all the way back here in Second Chronicles chapter 29, we see a man named Hezekiah, and let's look at his reign. It says here in verse 1, Hezekiah began to reign when he was five and twenty years old, or twenty-five years old. And he reigned nine and twenty years, or twenty-nine years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Abijah, Abijah, I'm sorry, the daughter of Zechariah. We'll stop there. So the boy, yes, he is a boy, he starts reigning as king at what age? Twenty-five. I'm twenty-five. Reigning over a kingdom I can't even imagine. A kingdom! What if I was put in power? What would I do? Hmm... Um, First, what would I do? I wonder. I wonder. The Father is not giving me that power, and he will not, I'm sure. I'm sure of it because, um, well, he can't trust me with it. But um, he's 25 years old, and he reigns for 29 years. Hezekiah, Look at verse 2. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Mm. Like that stop there. In his first year, what did he do? He opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired it. Now, that means What? that the doors must have been shut, and there were things broken down. Man. Restoration taking place. Repairing the doors. Getting everything back in order the way it should be. Opening the doors of the house of the Lord. Let's read on here. And he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them together in the east street and said unto them, Hear me, you Levites. Sanctify now yourselves and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. Verse 6, For our fathers have trespassed and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord God and have forsaken Him and have turned away their faces from the habitation of the lord and turn their backs also they have shut up the doors of the porch and put out the lamps and have not burned incense nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place in the god of israel unto the god of israel wherefore the wrath of the lord was upon judah and jerusalem and he had delivered them to trouble to astonishment to hissing and ye see with your eyes for lo our fathers have fallen by the sword and our sons and daughters and our wives in captivity for this stop there so he comes in power, Mr. 25-year-old. I can't even imagine this. This is so crazy. He sits there and he walks up, I'm sure, to these Levites who are probably older men. Been serving there for a while. Serving under the reign of another king, his father. And he looks at him and he says, listen up. I want you to clean the house of the Lord. What? Yeah, get in there and clean that thing. Get all that filthiness out of there. And I want you guys to sanctify yourselves. I want you to ready yourself so that you are able to do sacrifices. Sanctification. This word sanctification is one of purifying oneself, cleansing continually, working towards a goal of purity and cleanse. And it is something that we as Christians are to be working towards every single day of our lives. Did you know that? Working towards a place where we are running from sin and running to God. Sanctifying ourselves. Walking in purity. And listen, I recognize this within my own heart that when I work hard at purifying myself, like shielding my eyes when in the gym or walking down the street, when getting away from the things that really bring me down, when trying to harness my life, what do I see? Well, when sin, when I come in contact with sin, it is very dirty to me, very filthy. I recognize it in an instant. When I came back from Mexico, because I was locked out there in the desert for four months, no TV, no computer, no cell phone, no magazine, no paper. We didn't know what was going on in the news. We had no clue. We were out there in the middle of nowhere in Carmen, Sudan, and yes... We had no connection with the world whatsoever. We were out there in such a pure place, a mission. We just took care of these orphans and learned from a teacher named John Corson. And we spent time with Jesus all the time. spent time with the Father all the time. This purification was taking place in my life. And when I came back here, I was blown away. Blown away. by what I saw with my own eyes, I couldn't believe the cars that we drive. I couldn't believe it. Because I hadn't seen a car in so long like a nice car, you know, like that has like power windows. Four months is a long time, I'm telling you, like, it, especially when you're in a place that is completely different from where you normally live. And I was changed in an instant, that's for sure. And when I came back, I couldn't believe my eyes. I think it's probably the same as the Muslim who lives over in the Middle East, who is surrounded with women who, what, wear from, all the way from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet completely Dress, they've probably never seen skin in their life. And all of a sudden, their parents moved to America, and what do they see? Oh my. I was talking with Scott Camden today, and he was talking about his wife Carly. How she, well, she was born and raised in Australia, and he went over there and met her there, and then actually married her and brought her here to America. And she was blown away by the way the Californians dress. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe the way we live. I'm telling you, we get in this bubble because our world is what? Our world is San Diego, the beach, Hollywood, the mountain snowboarding, and then back here. And this is where we live, and this is what we do. I've met so many people who have never even left this place. Amazing. So I would encourage you again, as I encouraged you last week, to get outside of the country. Go live in a third world country. I dare you. Go take care of someone. Go live for something other than yourself. Stop being so selfish. It brings you nothing but depression. Think about me, 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 my, my, my. When you get what you want, you're not satisfied. It doesn't work. Recognize the culture we live in and be different. This man Hezekiah recognized filthiness very quick. Why? Because he was in communion with the Father. And those of you When you are in communion with the Father, when you are striving towards sanctification, or I'm sorry, working sanctification within your own life, striving towards perfection, striving towards a holy life, you all of a sudden start to see, you start to unveil. This is what's happened in my life. As soon as I get some sin under control, or something I'm struggling with, or something that I desire in my life, as soon as I get it under control, whether it be reading more, or praying, or organization, or sin, All of a sudden, I start to see something more clearly. And I see it closer up. It becomes in my face. And the things that I see more than ever are pride. Like I can taste it. As soon as it comes off my lips, I sense it. I can see it in other people's lives so clear and so fast because it's what I struggle with the most. Know this the sin you struggle with, the sin that you see in other people is the one you struggle with the most because it is so close to home, you understand it very well. You will recognize filthiness in an instant when you are walking with God. And even as I hang out with some of my friends as they desire to hang out from the world, um, I work at the church, So, I've, which I didn't work at the church. The last two years I was doing insurance, but now, now at the church just recently, you get in this bubble of like, you know, all these Christians who are trying to see God and, Doing a good job at it. And what happens? Well, as soon as you get outside the, the little bubble and you start experiencing something, you go and you hang out with somebody who hey, does not see, see Christ. It's just like, whoa! I remember sitting down with somebody's just a couple weeks ago, maybe three or four weeks ago, and they were just, I mean, profanity and just like wickedness just rolled off their mouth so easy. Like, if I was to say a cuss word right now, I think I'd like the whole hesitation thing would happen and then it would like come out. Like, and then it would sound like I like I haven't said it, you know, just like somebody when they try to use like a slang word and it doesn't work, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's the same thing. Anyways, but I couldn't believe my ears. I mean, but you see, when you live in filth, you don't even know it's dirty. The Levites didn't even know; they didn't even recognize the filth in the temple. What's going on here? The house of the Lord was not taken care of. Isn't that amazing? Family, listen. Very important. We must be very careful that we do not allow, that we do not allow the church to become filthy and dirty. Who's the church? Not a building. That is us. And as soon as we allow the people around us even to become filthy and dirty, what happens? What happened? We become the same way. Somebody has to make a stand in the group. Do you understand? Somebody has to be the pillar that will not be moved. And says, no, I ain't going to do that. I was talking to some of the brothers. Remember when it was? It was probably like a week week and a half ago or so. And we were saying, man, we become comfortable in the movies that we go and see. You know, like PG-13 is just like, see, I haven't I haven't seen a movie in forever. Like, seriously, I hadn't gone to the movies. I just don't. I don't watch TV. I just don't have time and I hadn't—I haven't really seen the t- I mean I see the computer all the time but I don't really see a TV screen or even movies that often and I went to the movie theater to see a PG-13 movie I couldn't believe F word like three times and there was a naked guy there I mean he's like standing the back side of him was showing. I'm like what this is PG-13 can you imagine a, a, a junior higher seeing that that's ridiculous 8th grader but I was appalled. I couldn't believe it. But see, probably the rest of the people in there were just like, well, it's not a big deal. Every PG-13 has that. Hello? Well, you don't know? I remember John Corson talking about how he is not up to date with the pop stars and everything that's happening. He was criticized for it. He says, I'm proud of it. I'm proud that I do not know what Justin Timberlake is doing, nor Britney Spears. And, you know, it's like somebody comes is did you hear what happened? It's like, No. Come on, what do you do, live in a hole? We must, we must, we must, we must get to a point in our lives where we choose to say what? No. And stand up for what is right. We've got to. Because, guess what? Just as Ben Stein is saying in his movie, Expelled... Our, our religious freedom is being snatched away with a, away from us. And you don't even know it, do you? You don't even know it. We're free. Look, we're, we're free. We get to talk in a coffee. No, you don't understand. It is being snatched away little by little by little. And there will come a day when we will not be able to preach in a coffee shop. What will you do then? These rights that we have, were not given for free. Did you know that? People died. And people are dying to hold this freedom. What we need to do is be willing to die for this freedom. To live in such a way. People say that all the time. I'll die for Christ. How about you live for Him? Live for Christ. Be different. Let's move on. Let's watch what this man does, Hezekiah. He makes a stand in his generation like, Ooh, Just fires me up. Like, Again, I feel like, what, what can I do right now? What can I do right now? I want to do something. I want to I want to go open the house of the Lord. I want to open those doors and clean it out. We need to be helping members of the church. Those of you, wherever you go to church, listen. You need to be helping the members of your church to sanctify themselves. Not beating them up and coming down hard on them. Hey, love them. And help them along the way. Don't point the finger and say, why aren't you doing this? You grab them. And you help them. Hezekiah is commanding the people to do this. Yes, but I guarantee that he is the man leading the way. I wouldn't be surprised if the great king, Hezekiah, stood up and went to shine the brass himself. Maybe came in there. Look at this, it's a little dusty here. Let me clean this up. Let me sweep there. Doing the work himself. Look at what happens in verse 10. He says, Now it is my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel. That is that His fierce wrath may turn away from us. Verse 11, My sons, be not now negligent, for the Lord hath chosen you to stand before Him, to serve Him, that you should minister unto Him and burn incense. Did you hear that? Oh, oh. What a call. What a challenge. Did you hear Let me read it again. Look at verse 11. My sons, be not now negligent, For the Lord has chosen you to stand before Him and to serve Him that you should minister unto Him with incense. What do you mean, Josh? Listen. The Levites, the people who serve, it says that their duty is to what? Minister unto the Lord. Minister unto Him. Now this is a very big thing. A very big deal for me because this is one of the things that I was taught in the desert that we are to be ministers unto the Lord not to the people unto the Lord and when you minister unto the Lord then you can minister unto people and you cannot minister unto people until you minister unto the Lord what does that mean? what does ministering unto God mean, Josh? it means spending quality time how do you minister unto someone else? how do you bless people? what do you do? I say do the same for God love on people you love on God hey if you're a musician, write a song for him. Whatever, you, If you're an artist, draw a picture. Don't let anybody else see it. And bring it to your God. Whatever you do, whatever you can do, do things unto him. Bless him. Minister unto God. Be different. That is the pastor who goes stale. That is the man standing in the pulpit who is, hey, his words are dull. He has stopped ministering unto God. And he's trying very hard to grow his church and to get a lot of people to come and to do this, this, is you know, You're missing it. You minister unto God first and God will bring the people. It has nothing to do with what your efforts and your doing and work. No. The priests of Zadok, it's a, a verse that I'll never forget that they were called to minister unto God and God alone. Did you know that? Men in the Old Testament, that would minister unto God and God alone. They had no other duty. That's just, all they did is praise God, bless Him, and love on Him. That's it. No people. There were other Levites for that. The priest of Zadok would minister unto the Father. We need more men. Oh, it just came to me. There's a brother named Dave Hodges. My sweet brother. And actually, I was talking to him as he was cleaning up the office today. He's a janitor. And he he said, Josh, tell up a room. I said, what's up? So here you go, Dave. Dave Hodges said, what's up? And he said this. He said, Josh, it would be so cool if we just got in a room and maybe and we prayed to God, but what we did is not ask for a bunch of things, but all we did is just praise Him and exalt Him and lift Him up. And that was the prayer session, and that's what it consists of. And I was like, Dave, genius, genius. People only come to God when they need something. Isn't it true? I find myself all the time doing it. And even before I thank Him or praise Him or give Him any glory in a prayer, I'll find myself just cutting right to the chase. Oh, Father, I need this. Please help me. It's like a child, isn't it, though? Papa, I want popcorn. Okay. we find ourselves running to God all the time just to ask 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 but it would be such a blessing i believe under the father that's why david was a man after god's own heart because the majority of his psalms are what just blessing god loving on him ministering to him i can see david in the field time after time just with his david invented like many instruments you see like he talks about the 10-stringed instrument he just invented instruments this guys crazy I can just see him out there inventing and just playing like, Lord, Lord, I got a new instrument for you. Check this out. And all of a sudden he just starts playing on it. He's just loving on the Father. Those are the greatest times that I have in my life are the times spent with God by myself when I have my guitar and no one else hears. The times when I sing a cappella under the Father, under the sky are the sweetest times in my life. When I get to really just love on God and spend time with minister unto Him That is when I am filled. That's when I am blessed. When I minister unto Him. And that is what these men are called to do, isn't it? He says, minister unto Him and burn incense. Let's move on. Verse 12. Then the Levites arose. And there's a bunch of names, which I'm not going to say. Down to verse 15. And they gathered their brethren and sanctified themselves. Did you see that? They, who? Who's they? The Levites gathered who? Their brothers. What did the Levites do? They Sorry, gathered their brothers and did what? Sanctified them. Bridge. <laughs> sorry. Sanctified them. I just. I, sorry, I'm distracted. And they gathered their brothers and sanctified themselves and came according to the commandment of the king by the words of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord. I love that picture that they did what? They grabbed their brothers. They grabbed the people around them and went and sanctified themselves. We need to be doing that. We need to be doing that more. What? Grabbing one another. Hey, everybody goes through hard times, don't they? Let's be honest. We all do. We need to be carrying each other's burdens and grabbing one another and helping each other in sanctification. We've got to be. Who can do it alone? Who can stand alone? It's difficult. I just heard, man, it's just sad. One of the brothers, one of the sweetest brothers, I remember, man, when this guy came to know Jesus, and he just flipped. He's like this, I'm I'm not going to, he's just a big teddy bear, man. This guy's awesome. I just heard that he's just kind of, Running from God a little bit now, I just can't even believe it. it doesn't even make sense like I don't understand it's like it's like if one of the brothers here or maybe me, what if you just heard all of a sudden that uh Josh Thompson just isn't seeking God anymore and he chose to run from God and do his own thing it's, it it blew my mind when I heard it. I'm like, what and he's just not around the brothers to be honest, it's just not there is no community. And he's just kind of isolated. I haven't seen him in days, a long time. Just working a job and just doing his thing. That is why is it important. it is important to be in community. It is important to be wrapping your arms around one another continually. We need to be willing to lay, lay down our lives for the brothers, for the sisters. Say, I, I am not going to let you run from God. Absolutely not. I'll fight you before you run. I'm going to do whatever it takes to help. What can I do? How can I help? I do I have a group of guys around me that I find we're constantly pulling on each other and it's very it's difficult at times but other, it is the biggest blessing. And we all need to have that. We all need to be grabbing out and reaching out. Who are you grabbing right now? Who are you reaching out to? Who do you know that needs the Lord or needs a touch or needs a prayer? need some encouragement. Who do you know? And you're not. It says that the Levites, they gathered the brethren and they sanctified themselves. They gathered them. We need to be gathering. Not so we have more people. We don't need more people. We need holy people. We need people who are set apart. Sanctified. And it takes work. Does it not? We've got to work hard, family. There are brothers and it says people that you know that know should be walking close to God. Just encourage them. Just give them the opportunity every week. Hey, you want to go to church? Hey, is there anything I could pray for? Can I encourage? Anything. I, I just want to be here for you. Just love on them. Not, you sinner. Can't believe you're even doing that right now. You've ran from God. I can't even believe this. I lit up my brother. Mm. Probably about two or three years ago. I'll never forget. Man. I was almost in tears because I was so saddened that he was not seeking God. I was begging him to come to camp. Just beg, please, Jess, please. No. And I lit him up. Oh, I lit him up. Jess used to be—you te- were teaching the word of God as a freshman in high school. You led the worship at your church. What are you doing? Jess, God has so much for you. What are you doing? I was so upset with him, and I lit him up. And he ran from God. Now, for like the next two years, just didn't. And he just closed his ears off to Josh Thompson. I get the opportunity to minister to so many but my own brother won't listen to me He's broken hearted. And it's not till now he just sent me, yes an email today. Mm. My sweet brother I encourage him continually and the Lord I just tell him I miss him and I love him and I desire for him to be close to me and if there's anything I can do Jess, what can I pray for? He's going to find out tomorrow whether or not it's a boy or a girl Which I'm fired up about. I'm going to be an uncle. Yeah. (laughs) The kid's in trouble. (laughs) It's going to be fun. I'll do my best to raise him or her in the ways of the Lord. I will be Uncle Bobby taking them to the baseball game. We're not dropping little things that don't make sense. But teaching them scripture worship on the way to the ball game. Yes. grabbing the brothers and sanctifying them with you. We've got to do it. Verse 16, And the priests went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it and brought out the uncleanness that they found in the temple and that the Lord into the court of the house of the Lord. And the Levites took it to carry out abroad to the brook Kidron. Mm, The Kidron Valley, which I'm very familiar with. It is right there it borders the city of David, and I've actually thrown rocks in it. Yes, it was fun. The Ketron Valley is the same place, I believe, Is as David is looking down upon the houses where Bathsheba, yes, might have been bathing. The Ketron Valley runs right there. Is that correct? Right there along the edge, and it kind of wraps around. This Ketron Valley, um, it's interesting. that they. It seems like they always use it. I think it's the same place. I can't be for sure that most i can't be for sure i'm not going to say it i can't be for sure i won't speak in authority on that but um this is a place where it seems like they're always dumping things or throwing things away and it seems like they go here to do simply that to carry out abroad into the brook of kidron and they just they throw all the filthiness and all these things and you know what we need to do the same for one another okay you got to be honest with one another listen We need to be honest with one another. We must do cleansing in the house of God. We must work hard to be honest with people. If you see sin in someone's life, say something. Not, you sinner, Can't you. No. Hey, I'm just really concerned about this. Is that okay? I I don't mean to offend. I'm not trying to offend. I'm just concerned. I just want to make sure everything's alright. Yeah. And you know what? They may say, yeah, everything's fine. Okay, I just want to let you know that if you ever need anything, I'm here. Okay? If someone is in sin, you just got to be honest with them and say, listen, this is sin. You know the sin. You know the Word. And again, I'm not doing this to hurt. I'm trying to bring medicine. I want you to get better. I want things to be healthy. I just got to sit in on a meeting where Two people sat down and just approached one another and shared everything that had been going on inside of them. And sin was brought out and every I mean, everything was called. And it was a blessing at the end of the conversation. There was healing like I've never seen. And healing cannot take place until we what? Step out and say something. And there are many brothers who are hurting, many sisters who are hurting, and we just allow them to go down that path Because we're scared to offend them. Use tact. Tact is very important in ministry. Those of you who want to be involved in ministry, you better learn tact very quickly. Because two people can bring the same information to the table. One person says it in one way and one person says it in the other way. And either the person receives it or doesn't receive it based on the tact and the way it is brought. Yes? Yes. Yes. It is amazing how many times I've been told, I think it's just something that God has instilled in me, just working with people and just being able to communicate and talk to and just be soft, not be so hard and just in your face and backhand. It is something we must all learn. I believe it is what Jesus did perfectly. That's why the the Pharisees could not point the finger at him because he brought it in such a way they couldn't do anything. But he cut straight to the heart, didn't he? Brought the truth. Be very careful. People will be offended by the gospel, but they should not be offended by you. Ever. If you are offending them, you're in big trouble. Because God is not like that. If they are offended because of the word of God, that's a different thing. But if they are offended by you and your personality and the way you're coming off, you're in big trouble. I'm telling you that. You're misrepresenting God. Be very careful If you come to somebody to rebuke them and call them out and you come in the wrong manner, you'll be held accountable for that. And um, I've seen many people very hurt and messed up by somebody in the church and they'll never come back because so-and-so did this. I'm just like, man, I'd like to light them up for you because that's ridiculous. It should not be that way. We are to show what? Love, compassion, mercy, but we also be what? Just and righteous and holy. And there is balance in that. We need to find that family. We need to find that. They cleaned out the temple. They approached everything. They cleaned it out. They approached the brothers. They sanctified them. And now look, verse 17. Now they began on the first day of the first month to sanctify. And on the eighth day of the month, they came to the porch of the Lord. So they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days. And in 16 day, on the 16th day of the first month, they made an end. So it took them 16 days to complete the process. Interesting that it took 16 days. Why 16? That's just probably the amount of days. But I think it's a picture that, hey, things don't happen in one day. Things don't happen when you want it to right now. It takes time, and it takes being consistent and persistent. Understand? So I do not give up on your brother. Do not give up on the cleansing of the temple takes time verse 18 then they went to hezekiah the king and said we have cleansed all the house of the lord and the altar and the altar of burnt offerings with all the vessels thereof and the showbread table with all the vessels thereof moreover all the vessels which king ahaz in his reign did cast away in his transgression we have prepared and sanctified and behold they are before the altar of the lord amen i'm so happy that these boys brought back the things which wicked Ahaz tried to rip down. And I want you to know, I want you to know this, that if evil happens, evil only happens so that God can turn it for good. Did you know that? He only allows bad things to happen so that he can turn it for good. And hey, back then, I'm sure the boys were all upset and bummed out because what? Hey, Ahaz has thrown out the The peace is there in the temple. Messed up everything. And everybody's probably thinking like, oh man, I can't believe this evil. How could God allow this to happen? Oh, the classic question. How could God allow this to happen? Well, He allows it to happen so that He can turn it for good. And He always does. Always. Always. If there's evil going on at your workplace, or going on in your life in some way, shape, or form where somebody is or something bad, God's going to turn it for good. He will rescue you. He is your deliverer. He will turn it for good. Always. Even if we trash our lives, He is down to turn it for good. What an amazing God. Alright, let's move forward here. I'm going to read a couple big chunks here. Uh, verse 20, Then Hezekiah the king rose early. I like that. I like that. rose early. And gathered the rulers of the city and went up to the house of the Lord. Hmm... I was going to read a big portion, but I'll stop there. (laughs) Did you see that? He rose early in the morning, and what did he do? He grabbed all the leaders of the city, every single one. And he said, come up with me to the house of the Lord. Interesting. You're going to see why in just a sec. Check it out. And they brought seven bulls, seven rams, and seven lambs, and seven goats, For a sin offering for the kingdom and for the sanctuary for Judah, he commanded the priests, the sons of Aaron, to offer them on the altar of the Lord. So they killed the bulls, and the priests received the blood and sprinkled it on the altar. Likewise, when they had killed the rams, they sprinkled the blood upon the altar, and they killed also the lambs, and they sprinkled the blood on the altar. Stop there. He brought all the rulers of the city up. Oh man, I could go off for like an hour on this. The rulers of the city need to be going away continually to the mountain, to the house of the Lord. To what? Retreat away as a group. To what? Sacrifice for the people like you are seeing. To go up and pray for the people. Listen, this was the devotional today. You can only take the people where you have gone. You can only minister to people as far as you understand and as deep as you are in God. That's it. And many rulers of churches and many rulers in the city are very shallow in their walks with God. They got fired up between the age of 20 and 30 and then they stopped. They have not grown an inch for the rest of their life. They preach the same sermon and the same message. do the same thing coming forth all the time. They need to retreat away. They need to go up to the mountain with Hezekiah (laughs) and be changed it's something that the Lord has convicted me about and I think it's something that we the brothers need to be doing we need to be retreating away like twice a year at least I'm not talking about a college retreat which is coming up in two weeks if you want to get it signed up for the college retreat it's anywhere from 18 to 28 you can come up it's going to be sick another plug man I can't even wait I know that fire of God is going to come down from heaven and consume that place. It's going to be insane. But retreating away, retreating away with many of the brothers, oh, and the sisters, gosh, retreat away. When will a woman rise up and say, we're going to the mountain to pray. Deborah, where are you? It's needed. It is needed. But look what they do up on the mountain. They sprinkled blood. there, in the temple. They, they sprinkled the blood. Did you know when they sprinkle... I, I learned this from a Jew. Um, his name is Udi. And he lives down in the south part of Israel. And he says, when they sprinkle the blood, they sprinkle from top to bottom and from left to right. Always. Top to bottom, left to right. Top to bottom, left to right. Top to bottom, left to right. They sprinkle the cross on the mercy seat. Bottom left to right. Amazing. They sprinkle they didn't even know the priest back in that day, sprinkling. But look what they did, verse twenty three, and they brought forth the goats for the sin offering before the king and the congregation, and they laid their hands upon them. Mm. and the priest killed them, and they made reconciliation with their blood upon the altar, to make an atonement for all of Israel. For the king commanded that the burnt offering and the sin offering should be made for all of Israel. They went up there to make a sin offering for Israel. And what did they do? Remember, we talked about this when we were going through Leviticus. They would put their hand upon the sin offering, upon the animal. And that would be a symbol of sin being transferred in. And that goat will die. Because why? Because of their sin. Somebody has to die when you sin. That's what Christ died for. That's what our king died for. They went up there to sacrifice for who? Israel. All the people. And that is what leaders need to be doing, is sacrificing for the people, praying for the people. I was in the gym this morning, and I was thinking to myself, I remembered when I used to think, if I pray for somebody, their walk is going to flourish. And I remember seeing it with my own eyes. I would start praying for certain people for like a month or two months, and I would just pray for them consistently every single day. Lift them up. Father, please help... And all of a sudden, I would see their walk just start to go. And then as soon as I stopped praying, I felt as if everything just crashed. And I used to talk it over with the Lord. Like, are my prayers really, like, helping this person to, like, strive and be God? I didn't know. But it seems here, this picture, that the rulers and the people of the city, these rulers need to go up and be continually... I saw this picture of just praying for the people. How many pastors just sit down and just pray for their congregation For, like, you know, you would think that they would every single day, like an hour a day, praying for their sheep, praying that they would come closer to God. Hmm. You think that pastors all over the place, you think they would, instead of having pastors' meetings, they would just be getting on their face for their people and crying out to God. Something we must be doing, and something I need to be doing more for you guys, to be honest. Getting on my face and crying out to God for you. Praying that you would draw close to him. I believe things will change when I do that. Forgive me, Father. Verse 25 And he set the Levites in the house of the Lord with the cymbals and the palace trees the harps, according to the commandment of David, of Gad, the kings of Seir, and Nathan the prophet. For so was the commandment of the Lord by his prophets, and the Levites stood with the instruments of David and the priests with the instruments and Hezekiah, commanded the burnt offering I'm sorry, commanded to offer the burnt offering upon the altar, and when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord began also with the trumpets and with the instruments ordained by David, king of Israel, and all the congregation worshipped, and the singers sang, and the trumpeters sounded, and all this continued until the burnt offering was finished. And when they had made the end of the offering, the king and all that were present with him bowed themselves and worshipped. Man, you see this movie? This is like awesome. They go to sacrifice the bulls and go to do all this stuff, and what's happening? All of a sudden, the strings start to go down. The trumpets go off. Like everybody just starts praising God. Like yeah, just like a, a stadium of people just like cheering as loud as they can unto the Father. Because offering is taking place. It's like, yeah, our sin is forgiven. Yeah. They're just going nuts. I can just see this happening with my own eyes. And man. I wish that, that happened when we took communion. When we recognize our sin is forgiven. That we just break out in song like yeah. you know, we just start praising the living God. Because man, it's celebration time, man. We're forgiven. We get to go to heaven when we die. What a blessing. And we got a great God. We break out in song. Did you see the freedom that took place? Sometimes I almost feel like salvation needs to be taken away from all of us and then given back when God chooses to. Maybe you don't know for the rest of your days when you'll have it again. But you just strive for that day when God accepts your offering so you can recognize what a sweet deal you got. That grows stale. Again, people who grow stale in their walks are ones who forget the cross they forget what Christ has done for them they get caught up in everything else under the sun except for the cross don't make that mistake love this man as soon as the offering went down they broke out in cheering and celebration and song yes yes that's what we need john that's what we need man and it even says the kings they bowed you know i don't know when the last time i've seen a pastor like get on his knees and just like worship god but there's something about seeing that and it's needed to be able to see our great leader get on his knees. I remember watching John Corson down at Costa Mesa. I remember seeing him in the classroom. It's like we'd be standing singing songs like acapella and then all of a sudden he would get on his knees and all of us would just get on our knees ASAP. It's like that's our leader. He's getting on our knees. Okay, it's time. It's time. Everybody on your knees. That's just what we do. And I think there's just something about us seeing even King David before the congregation standing before thousands and he gets on his knees and says, Oh God, hear us. And everybody just falls on their face. There's something about it. Pastors, need, they need to pull their hearts back and let people see their relationship with God. Bow down. Watch the, Let the people watch you clap into the key. Let the people watch you dance before. Let the people watch you bow. Don't be scared to express yourself to God, okay? Not in church, not nowhere. This is something that's... Man, during worship service sometime at church, I'm just like all scared like to get on my knees or something because I'm going to make the person next to me feel uncomfortable bull and, and it, scared to raise my hands because they're going to be you know, I just I remember I was thinking that and my buddy Phil from Mexico it was so I had already got back in the rhythm of church and kind of just doing my thing and Phil comes out to hang out with me we're at day 7 this is a Sunday night service that happens over the church I go to and and uh, we're sitting there worshiping and all of a sudden Phil Mr. 6 foot 7 gets down on his knees and stretches out his arms as big as eagles, man, just like chanting out to God, praising God there. And I'm just like looking like, Phil, what are you doing? I mean, his arm was like over here. Like he didn't give a a rip. You know, he's just praising God. I'm like, I'm getting on my knees. You know, it was time. It was time. We need to learn that. Be erratic, man. Get back to being a new believer, huh? That fire and that zeal is awesome, isn't it? You see people come to know Christ. like They're just like on it. They're faithful, man. They're dedicated. They're focused. Get back to your first love, family. Get back to doing what you were doing when you were a new believer. And moreover, Hezekiah, verse 30, the king and the princes commanded the Levites to sing praise unto the Lord with the words of David and Asaph the seer. And they sang praises with gladness. Oh, I love that. Jeez, man, I know i got to move on. They bowed their heads and worshipped, and Hezekiah answered and said, "Now you have consecrated yourselves unto the Lord. come near and bring sacrifices, thanks offerings unto the house of the Lord, and the congregation brought the sacrifices and thanks offerings as many as were of free heart burnt offerings. What he's saying is he just said, Hey, if you want to bring an offering to the Lord, then bring it. whatever you want to bring. you want to bring something it's just be free go for it. Express yourself unto God, bring your offering." And the people just started to bring. Look what happened. Oh, this is revival right here. This is revival. Check this. He told them, bring your offering. Bring whatever you want to God. You just start bringing it. And look what the people did. And the number of the burnt offerings with the congregation brought was three score and. I'm sorry, three score and ten bullocks or six. What is it? Seventy, that's right. Three score, sixty and ten and a hundred. Rams and two hundred lambs and these were for a burnt offering unto the Lord and the, and the consecrated things were six hundred oxen and three thousand sheep but the priests were too few so that they could not fillet all the burnt offerings did you see that they brought more than they could even do you they couldn't sacrifice all the animals like you, you brought too many look what happened Wherefore the brethren and the Levites did help them till the work was ended until the other priests had sanctified themselves. For the Levites were more upright in heart to sanctify themselves and the priests. And also the burnt offerings were in abundance. And the fat and the peace offerings and the drink offerings for every burnt offering. So the service of the house of the Lord was in order. And Hezekiah rejoiced in all the people that God had prepared the people for the thing was done suddenly. Mmm. Ooh, I'm fired up <sighs> they brought so much that they could not even deal with it I long for the day when I stand in a pulpit and say family there are people in need or we have a project we want to do or we have something we want to take care of or we want to do this or there is an, an, a country over in Africa that hey we need a hundred million dollars now stand up And take care of it. Let's move. And the people start bringing offerings unto God, like so much, that we cannot even contain it. The banks don't even know what to do with the money anymore because there's so much coming in. Our our, our computers can't hold that. I don't know. But you would think, you would think, the church would be able to do whatever they want because the people give wholeheartedly. But the truth is they don't. You know what percentage of the church ties? 13%. This upsets me. Because that is what we are called to. That is not an option. It is a command. If you are a Christian, you do this. You tithe 10% of your income. And that is the minimum. I hope you know that. 10% is like you just kind of... Here you go. Here you go. Here's my little... God has given you 100% and you would only... Oh, Father. It happens to me all the time it just it's supernatural i don't know why i'm always scared to give and then a number pops into my head and i'm like father are you sure about that i don't think i give that and then it's just as soon as i start to question myself i say that's it you will do it you will you will be broken and you will give it but what about that you, go for it and i'm telling you that supernaturally weird things happen robert's seen it we just get money from nowhere it just comes it just, it's weird call it mystical, call it whatever you want, but it just works. God said, test me in these things and watch if I will open the floodgates of heaven and pour out in you so much you cannot even hold it. You know Quaker oats? Oatmeal? He tithes 90%. 90%. He has more than he could ever deal with. He is the oatmeal man. And I'm telling you, you give to God and watch how he will give back to you. Can we be a family that does that, please? Can maybe we be ones that just say, well, we'll just, I'll stop with this. Can we be ones that say, God, I'm going to give you more than the priest can sacrifice. I'm going to give you more than they can offer up. There's going to be so much porn out of my life. man. I'm going to give it to you, whatever you want. I love, I love saying those things to the Lord. Like, Father, here is my life once again. Whatever you desire, whatever you want, do with me. I love saying that. Can we say that? Let's say that right now, Father. We, your children, come so blown away by Hezekiah and what you did there with the priests. And wow, Lord, do you, look at the people. They, they they seem to be excited and fired up about seeking your face and walking close to you. They they seemed very focused. But it took some cleaning, Father. And we need to be cleansed. We need to be made whole. We need to be changed. And cleansing isn't easy. We need to remove the filth and the dirt from our lives. And so right now, God, we throw it on the altar. And we ask that you would clean us from the inside out. If you want to be cleansed, ask God to cleanse you. Just ask Him. Father, cleanse me. Make me whole. So I can do your work. And now, Lord, I want to make a covenant with you saying that I desire to let you do whatever you want with my life. Give it into your hands. Do what you will. This covenant will go to the day that I die. Do with me all the days of my life. I lay myself at your feet, O King. I pray the same prayer for these people. Please bless them. Please keep them close to you. Handcuffed, Father. Do not let them run from you. Chase them, please, King. Even though they run, chase them. Have your hand upon each one. Show them your love more than ever. Let them experience it in a walk with you in quiet time in their room looking into the Word of God. Bless your people as we go tonight, please. Thank you. We just want to say we love you. We just want to say you're a great God. and There's none like you. And we desire to live for you all of our days. You deserve all praise and glory. Worthy. You're worthy. We pray these things because of your Son. Amen. 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 I uh, love you guys.